Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, listen, I, I have my notebook open just only to verify that I have here 11 pages of sermon notes, all right, that I am going to set aside because I blew it in the first service. And what I do in the first service, I have to do in the second service. So you all are stuck. Now here's the dilemma. When I preach from the hip, I can't remember if I already said something in the first service or this service. So if I repeat myself, all right, just do this, okay? Go for it. Anyway. With all of this, I just want you to understand that I know that my name was in the newspaper again, and I know that the church was in the newspaper again, just within the last week. And I want to talk about that a little bit with all of you today, because I want to share with you a dream that I had when I first came to the property, and I knew that it was from the Lord. If you have a problem with the idea that God speaks to people in dreams, read the book, because it happened time and time again. One of the signs of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, the Scripture says that there'll be a release of visions and there'll be a release of dreams. So listen, we live by the Word of God. Everything that happens is subjective, needs to be subject to the authority of the Word of God. So not every dream is from the Lord. Of course not, right? If you've ever dreamed, you realize some of them are definitely not from the Lord. (laughs) They have more to do with the pizza you had or something like that. Just want to talk about the fact. I'm just going to let you. I'm going to talk today about someone who was called to this church 14 years ago, first Sunday of August, and I just want to talk to you as family today. I know it's not easy for all of you to come to this church all the time, and I know when people ask you what church you go to, and you say Cornerstone, they go, "Oh, that church." <laughs> I've had family members who have been challenged just in the community. Sometimes they didn't even know they were talking to one of my family members. So I know the conversation is happening out there. And I just, I want to talk to you today because I know that some of you have evaluated why you come to this church or why you put your children in our school. So it's not news to anybody that the last two years was very challenging for us when we felt as though that the Lord had said that we are not... um, Let me put that carefully. When I felt as though in my heart that the second year we couldn't mask the kids in the school. Because it was very obvious the social education um, effects and damage that that was doing to children for their development at a critical time of their life to cover their face and the faces of their teachers. So we took that stand and you all know that, you know, we had to face all of our families and our our board of directors and all of our teachers and... um, Anyone that came on the property was told that to be a part was 18 months in jail and $5,000 fine. So we immediately lost 50% of our school. We started this year 60% down because we couldn't have a high school because we lost enough momentum that we couldn't do it. So now we're um, um, infant care up to seventh grade. That's, That's where we're at in all of this. Would I do it again? In a heartbeat. But here's the thing. 
When, I, when we first came to this property, you have to understand we didn't even own where the school sits or the far end, the little church building at the far end of the property. And, but I had a dream. And in that dream, and I knew it was the Lord. First off, I'm not a big dreamer, but you can also tell when a dream comes with particular meaning. And so we were having one of our events here, like our picnic outside, and I could see people standing in groups, talking and laughing, and really having a great time, which is honorable. And it's part of worship, is community, and loving each other. But I, I was watching everybody gathering in groups, but there were those little blue plastic swimming pools that you can buy at Walmart for children. And they were scattered all over the property, not just our property, but the property that we have now acquired at the far end. And children were face down in the water and they were drowning. And I was running from pool to pool and I'm yelling at everybody. Now listen, it wasn't you that I was yelling at. So you're wondering like, okay, was I one of the people? No, there was no distinct person but they, these people gathering represented our church. And I was running from pool to pool, and I was pulling kids up out of the water, face down, all of them, and resuscitating them. None of the kids had died, but I was running around, and I kept yelling to everybody, everybody, help me, help me, help me. The kids are drowning, everybody, and everybody was preoccupied in doing this beautiful thing called fellowship. And I felt all the angst of that um, in my dream. And, and little did I know that we would be entering into a day for the Roaring Fork Valley where we would be fighting for children. And I really believe that we are. Pam and I went to um, New Mexico and, and um, what were we a part of? Well, Patriot Academy and Biblical Citizenship class are courses that we teach here at the church and we facilitate them and it talks, you'd be amazed at how much of our Declaration of Independence and Constitution was guided by the scriptures. And, and godly men actually referred, the Bible was referred to more often than any other source during the Constitutional Convention to establish ideas by which our nation should be governed. Second to the Bible was John Locke. What did John Locke quote more than any other source? The Bible. So it's amazing. And so when, when we decided, Pam and I flew down to Pahrumpf in Nevada, outside of Las Vegas. I'm not responsible for the name of that town. But I wanted to meet this man named Rick Green, who developed these biblical citizenship classes and wanted to find out what his story was. I wanted to make sure it wasn't some radical group hiding behind barbed wire and all that kind of thing. But um, we went down there and I met, just able to shake the hands of the man who developed the whole program. His name is Rick Green. They're actually building in Texas right now the exact replica of Independence Hall. They're training young people on how to run for office, how to bring godly influence to our nation, um, teachings about the principles of our Constitution. And then also, Pam and I, believe it or not, we're there and we spent four days, 10 hours a day, training on, on handgun use. So now, okay, now let me just explain this to you. Pam, who hates the fact that I inherited my father's 30-06 and that it's in the house, 
you'd have been proud of her. I'll tell you what. But um, we, we did that, that training. And by, by the way, if you have a problem with the idea of that, I'm shooting from the hip now, okay, so forgive me. But you might not notice, but you might not have heard, not noticed, that the original circuit riders that built the Methodist churches that are all across the central and western United States, those pastors would come into church and they put their pistol right there on the pulpit and they preached because anything could happen in a church service back then. Sounds sort of like what's going on lately, but anything could happen in a church service. And um, so it wasn't unfamiliar to them. What's really interesting, after we left that event, Pam and I went up onto a mesa called Johnson Mesa because I saw in the museum in um, New Mexico that there was a tiny Methodist church. So we went up there. It was established in 1897. And we just went up there to pray, really. And it had no, no electric. It was a stone church. And it had almost fallen into disrepair, but the families of the descendants of that church had raised some money and they put a new roof on it and things like that. And when we went in there, just really sensed, I mean, Pam began to weep. I just really sensed that God had called us there to pray and to pray for America and pray for our nation. Because there were a bunch of ranchers up there that one of the first things that they did was that they raised funds in order that they could have a church because they were in a remote part. So you knew that there were people who prayed and sought God in that place. We were able to join our prayers with those group of individuals. Um, so we were making our way back, and then last night we stopped in Colorado Springs. There was a six-hour gathering of churches, <laughs> pastors on the front range that are praying for our nation. I want you to know the body of Christ, I want to give you hope today, the body of Christ is waking up. Yes, and is. that people Amen. realize that we need to stand for the same righteous principles that founded our nation. Our founding fathers said that the form of government they had given to us was only for a religious, that word has some negative connotations, but a, a moral people. You can't hand freedom to people who can't govern their own lives. Amen. That's right. And when people lose the ability to govern their own lives and government has to get big to maintain some kind of social order. But we went there last night. It was called Communion Colorado. It was at the World Center in Colorado Springs. And there were a lot of people there. And everybody came together and just say, it's time for us to lay down the nuances of our differences in the body of Christ and come together to realize that the cause is great. The focus of that was actually the prayer. If you know Lou Engel, he's the one who put the event together. He has had hundreds of thousands of people in Washington, D.C. for decades. Actually, when Pam and I were called to a 40-day fast in 1997, little did we know that a guy named Lou Engel was fasting for 40 days with a group of people that Roe v. Wade would be no more in the land. And that guy has prayed and prayed and fasted. I think he fasts more than he eats, literally. And he had this event last night because a lot of people might not be aware of this, but the first state in the United States to legalize abortion was the state of Colorado. Colorado um, established abortion would be the law of our state. And also, can I remind you that the shedding of innocent blood is also released 
incidences, even in Colorado, has an unusual number of public school events where innocent children lose their lives. We have brought it, we have invited that culture into our state. Colorado now has abortion laws that you can abort your child up to the day of birth. There's only five countries in the world that allow that. Two of them are China and North Korea. So now what does that tell you? As you might know, the majority, 80-some percent of abortion um, Planned Parenthood are in minority communities. Over 50% of African-American children are aborted every year just in New York. So when we realize that, we're coming to an awareness that God had told the nation of Israel, I set before you life and blessing or death and cursing. And we have a choice. We have a choice as a state to choose life. So I laid awake almost every night this week. Because when you're in 10 hours a day of training with a handgun, you don't think about anything else for 10 hours for four days. No, seriously, you just like focused. But at night I go home because there was a meeting in the Roaring Fork Valley just before we left. And I appreciate all of those of you who attended with us because the Roaring Fork School District through our new superintendent has launched an LGBTQIA plus toolkit for our public schools in this valley. Now, I felt as though I had been punched in the stomach. Why did I feel that way? And why does not every believer feel that way? First off, let me clarify. God loves all, and that's our message. But to present to children a lifestyle that separates them from their God-given, God-evidenced destiny, as simple as, if your body is a certain way, he made you that in walking out your destiny, you would be a man or a woman. And that has been lost. It was hard for me to watch the meeting, even as I felt as though children were paraded publicly as trophies of an agenda. It was really difficult to watch. I believe that what the Roaring Fork Valley School District has decided to do is equivalent to me of the emotion that I felt when I had that dream of children face down in a swimming pool and running around and trying to pull them out and to resuscitate them so that they might live the life that God has for them. And the truth of the matter is, I don't want to be the guy. But who does? You might have noticed that there were a group of churches that came together and wrote a letter to the editor and verbalized that they publicly support this. So they were letters from the faith community. I want you to know I have not written yet my letter, but I will. But it's usually an exercise in futility because they don't get printed. But you look at the toolkit that's going to be taught in our public schools in the Roaring Fork School District, and it's purple unicorns and cartoons and rainbows to appeal 
to childlike minds and to put a nice face on a procedure that nationally encourages children to take hormone blockers that will sterilize them for the rest of their lives, that encourages young girls to have mastectomies and young boys to be castrated so that for the rest of their life, they cannot regroup and come into their destiny. And that, listen, we're not talking adults. Let's leave that aside. Let's leave that alone. What we're talking about is getting children encouraged to make life choices before they're fully developed. Now, here's the whole thing, too. What we have to understand is that girls are more susceptible to it than boys. When they do psychological studies of boys and girls before puberty, they are psychologically the same and emotionally they process things. But when a young girl hits puberty, more than the boys, she is uncomfortable with the changes that are happening to her. That's why if you're involved with children, you realize that girls are more involved in cutting than boys are. It is a means by which of, of self-loathing personal identity. They also realize as well that girls are more susceptible um, to anorexia because when they look at themselves physically, they're more inclined to feel as though something's wrong and inconsistent between their physical body and, and who they are. And so just thinking about all of that, I, I just believe that the enemy has the same strategy time and time again to actually come first against the weakest, but also to come against women, because historically, women have always been a target of the enemy that comes against them. And so in thinking about all of this, I'm just shooting from the hip, all right? I'm just processing in front of all of you. But just thinking about the fact that I know that some of you might say to me, Jim, it's chaos all week long in my life. And when I come to church, I just want peace. <laughs> and I get that. But I don't think that we're living in a day right now where coming to church is about finding peace. It's about, it's about calling and it's about destiny. I can't be anything other than the person that God made me to be. Amen. And I'm sorry if that gets us in the newspaper. I didn't get to speak. They spoke of what our views were as a church, which I don't know who they got that from. But I want you to know that Jesus said, allow the children to come to me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. It is the nature of a child to believe in the invisible, to believe in who God is. While their children were to keep them innocent, while their children were supposed to establish their confidence and faith towards God, while their children were supposed to guide them. The newspaper had said after the meeting that this is a student-run movement. A student-run movement. 
And when you think about that, you can't help but wonder if someday, when a 35-year-old woman who has transitioned to be a man says, I gave up my ability to have children, and I can't now even if I want to. And if I have a child, I can't hold that child close to my breast and look into that child's eyes and bond in a way that I wish that I had not limited my choices. Of course, a mom can bond without that experience, but I'm just saying we are causing children to make decisions that are lifetime decisions. We're even calling boys to not be able to experience the sexual experience that God has for them to enjoy. The God-given aspect by completely deforming the body. And so when we look at these things, I'm telling you, I felt, I was at the women's retreat, I know some of you did, several days later, I still felt like I had been punched in the gut after all of that. And when I visited again in my mind, like right now, I feel the ajida, you know, right here in all of that. When I felt as though the Lord said in the second year, we did mask the first year. We're sterilizing desks and we bought sterilizers and we were wanting to follow every guideline that they gave you. But every communication from the county health director came with his pronouns underneath his name and I clicked on it in six to eight pages would come up of the pro-transgender agenda that they hooked for the region. So you have to understand that I was watching a health director. Yeah, this valley just adopted the program two weeks ago. But I was watching and seeing and observing the agendas that was being laid out. Now, here's the whole thing. At the same time, our president was saying, that transgenderism is a leading healthcare issue of our day. So I'm telling you that to say this. If during COVID, they could come to our Christian community and tell us you have to mask your children because we're in a health crisis, therefore you must mask, then I also know this. If they're calling transgenderism a healthcare issue of our day, then they could come and mandate that we fulfill their ideology. Can't happen. When COVID first hit, they were stopping cars in Aspen. Do you remember? What's your business on the road? So I'm thinking, they might not even allow me to go to the church. I'm the captain of the ship. Where does he belong? On the ship. So I came here, and I was here. Just going to be here day and night to figure it out. Slept here on the property. Prayed. Ended up being three months here just seeking the Lord, fasting, reading the scriptures. Scriptures always speak to us, but the Lord only gave me one scripture for that season, and you've heard this before. But I want you to know why I was in the paper again. It's because the Lord gave me a mandate. And when the Lord gives you a mandate, it's stronger than any other organization that gives you a mandate or any government. Jeremiah chapter 25, the Lord said, I will raise up a sword from a remote place. 
and with the sword I will strike the nations. Well, I thought, well, that sounds like COVID. came from a remote place, and it's a sword against the nations. Every nation had that sword raised up against us. He said, I will raise up a sword against the nations, but I will shout against my shepherds and against my sheepfolds. That's when it got scary to me. That's when the fear of the Lord hit me. That's when I was just realizing I'm a shepherd and this is one of his sheepfolds. And then there's other scriptures in there, but then he said this, and I will silence your peaceful folds. And I felt like the Lord says, if you walk through this season right now, just to keep the peace, to maintain the status quo, I'm going to silence you. Now, there's no judgment for the other churches that aren't, you know, didn't take the stand that we did. I knew that I had a mandate. I knew that I had to receive the, a word from the Lord. And so we took that stand. Because I really was concerned that the Lord says, if you walk through this with a desire just to maintain the status quo of that sheepfold, I will silence you. I will shut you down. So I want to remind everybody that Jesus said this. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. We are in a spiritual battle right now for children. Did you hear me? For children encouraged to make life choices that they will never be able to reverse. Ever. Are our hearts stirred with a passion on this issue? I'm not trying to incite any kind of physical aggression of any kind. When I say what I'm going to say now, but I want to remind you, John the Baptist spoke against the corrupt leader. John the Baptist said this, the violent take, I'm sorry, Jesus said in that context, the violent take the kingdom by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And the violent take the kingdom by force. There are seasons, and Jesus said, I'm going to mention a little window. It's a window of John the Baptist to this point right now. There is a, an attack against the kingdom. I want you to know right now, church, that what I believe for us is not a season of playing as peacefully as we possibly can and staying under the radar. There are seasons where those who fear the Lord and those who discern, I spoke about the baptism of the Spirit two weeks ago, because I'm telling you this, get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, there's different interpretations on that. I could care less. Get into your prayer closet and ask God to give you everything that the Holy Spirit has for you. That's all I care about. Just go after it. Because now needs to be a day when the people of God have the boldness of the Holy Spirit to stand up for the Word of God and what they believe in. That's what we have to be. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm not talking about a physical violence. The weapons of our warfare are not human, but they are divinely powerful. It's time for us not to receive just another sermon, but to live out all the sermons we've already got. Yes. People are looking for the next best sermon. You want the next best sermon? Just Google it, all right? 
And it's probably not going to be our church, just so you know, all right? <laughs> Go ahead, Google. Best sermon in America. I guarantee you, Jim Tarr is never going to show up. <laughs> but here's the whole thing. The nation of Israel got sick of the simple food that God gave them. They wanted something more complicated. They asked God for meat, and he gave them quail until it came out of their noses. And my concern is this, is that we're going to soon have sermons coming out of our noses. Because we don't like the simple mandates. You know a song keeps going through my mind, just so you know? song I learned as a child, right? Keep it simple. That's not the song. I'm just saying, keep it simple. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Then the second verse. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. It's not about whether often, whether we're right or wrong. That is important. But sometimes it's about whether you're being true to who God made you to be. That's what you have to be. Be true to what you believe. Not just giving him verbal assent and raising your hands on Sunday morning. I'm not diminishing that. I'm also not diminishing the sermon. The sermon and the preaching of the Word of God is ordained by God. God has given to the church the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I get that. The Bible commands us, preach the Word. Something supernatural happens in the preaching of the Word. But in all of that, if the sermon becomes the end of who we are, well, then it's kind of the end of who we are, isn't it? It's about standing for what we believe in. During, during the whole issue, when everything broke out with COVID, some people said to me, man, we got to go and challenge this. And I kept telling people, no, I don't think we need to seek this. It's going to come to us. Not looking for trouble. I believed it would come to us. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if you just stand for what you believe, the battle will come to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and sure enough, it did. Mm -hmm. There are so many times that it's so far out of my comfort zone, I can't even tell you. Mm -hmm. You might not know this, but three times our school was brought to the court. First time for an emergency injunction to shut us down immediately. And then two others, we were supposed to appear in court. And they didn't, the county didn't cancel it until the afternoon before. They wanted to see if we would cave. And so they were seeking an emergency injunction. We had just remodeled our preschool. It looked fantastic. Everything was brand new, even furniture and, and everything. And they were seeking an emergency injunction to shut us down immediately. We had just passed an inspection. And the county shows up from the health department. And they said, we're here to do an environmental inspection. And I said, we just passed inspection, number one. Number two, why would you do this today when you're seeking this week to shut us down anyway? Pass it or not, doesn't make any sense to me. So I asked them, it was two young ladies, because the leadership didn't have the courage. They sent two employees, seriously. And they came to the school 
And I said, so why are you here? And they said, we're here to do an environmental inspection. And I said, you're shutting us down. It doesn't make sense. Why don't you just shut us down? And so they, I forget all the unfolding words that were used. But I said to them, I need you to be honest with me. Are you actually here to verify and confirm that our children in our preschool are not masked right now? I said, is that really why you're here? And they said, yes. And so then, you know what happened? My heart started to pound. I wasn't afraid of them. I could have taken them. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, my heart started to pound. You know why? Because my heart pounds when I look in my rearview mirror and the red and blue lights are flashing behind the car. Because I hate not obeying the rules, right? So, it's all good. 21st century. Um, my heart began to pound. Why? Because I knew that I needed to tell them. First off, these buildings were built with the tithes and offerings, and they came from the Lord. And also because I knew that I was going to have to say to them, listen, I'm just telling you this because I had to do things I don't want to do. And sometimes your heart starts to pound. And I had to say, if you want in these buildings, you'll have to bring the sheriff. Boom, 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 boom. Right? Just because it's out of my comfort zone. And I don't like being that guy at all. But I knew that I have certain protections as well. They had asked us for us to turn over our emails. The health department, the director, with our families. I don't think so. Asked us to turn over the personal communications of families in our school. I don't think so. So you might say to me, Pastor Jim, you need to stay in your lane. And I'll say it again. I was in my lane, pastoring a church. They jumped in my lane. They came in my lane. I just so that you know, I received just recently our third letter from David Wheeler. You say, who is David Wheeler? David Wheeler is the man who brought down the candidate Madison Cawthorn from North Carolina. He was instrumental in bringing him down. He lost even the primary. And... He's going after Lauren Boebert. And so he follows her around the state of Colorado, even though he's from North Carolina. And he has some kind of hashtag. I forget what it is. So we had her come and speak here because I'm determined that I will stand with anybody who will stand with the Lord. Jesus said those who are not against us are for us. And so I received our third letter with a copy of the letter that he has sent to the IRS to remove our 501c3, 501c3 status. So, you know, you've all been watching that. That's, we get that phone call all the time. But I want to remind you of something. First off, yes, we're a 501c3 status, so they tell us that we cannot talk about elections or races. But here's the whole thing. You know who else is a 501c3? Planned Parenthood. They receive taxpayer funding. 
They endorse candidates. They support candidates financially. They're a 501c3. Never hear people calling for them to get their taxes and status removed. But any time a church, God forbid, they could come and tell every family in our school, 18 months in jail and $5,000 fine if you're even on the property of that Christian school. Or every teacher, we had to meet with them. There were some painful meetings. And truthfully, dear friends, transition. It's hard emotionally, but I'm not interested in living in a country where they can come and threaten you with jail, but you can't say, we need to support this candidate because they will stand with our values. Amen. Did you know that the Johnson Amendment that forbids churches from speaking about anything to do with politics has never been challenged in court? And do you know why? Because they know they'd lose. Constitutionally, it is not the role of government to tell a pastor what he can say. And especially when it comes to leadership. Jesus confronted the power structure of his day. John the Baptist stood up against the power structure of his day. I just want us to think about the fact that the church is constantly being asked to be silent while another value system and ideology now is being pushed upon children. What they're saying here is in this country, if God is not in your worldview, you can bring any one of those values into the public square. But if God is in your worldview, you need to be silent and you need to stay in your lane. And so the thing is, is that we have to realize, I want to say this, with or without the Constitution, do you just believe as a human being created by God that you have certain unalienable rights to say whatever you feel you ought to be able to say and to be whatever community that we build out of shared values? And do you not believe that if we can, if one side of an issue can go into our public schools and train all of our children on one side and allow their moral code to be enforced upon every child, then let me ask you this, then why can't you bring your moral values to the public school system and let's let the best Time-tested values win. And then you walk away. It's, they will never again convince me of their slogan, my body, my choice, not after they made people get vaccines and get fired or, they, they, they don't believe in that. So, not only did God not silence us, I've been asked to serve on the, the Faith Advisory Committee for 
Heidi Ganahl, who's running for governor in the state of Colorado. The only reason I was inviting, not is because of this, our mega church size. <laughs> the reason I was invited is because they said, because of the stand you took. If we hadn't taken a stand, not only do I believe our voice would have been silenced, but then God would not have given us a voice. So that in phone calls with her, I am able to say, and I do, trust me. God's laid a choice before you. Life and blessing or death and cursing. Stand for life. Stand for life. If you stand for life, you're on the side of the Lord. I'm telling you, America right now is up against a political, anti-human death cult that despises man and his God-given destiny. I'm amazed because the Lord says in the book of Romans that when a group of people reject God, when they reject the truth, they will believe a lie. And then it says, and then God will send them a strong delusion where they're just totally deluded. They're unreachable. You can't even have the conversation. So think about that. America rejected the truth. What did we do? Oh, we can't have children praying in school. We can't have children reading the Bible. We can't do that. Not everybody believes that way. Oh, wait a minute. What's going on right now? A lot of things that you don't believe in are going on. At the end of the day, someone's values are going to win. That's the bottom line. And when you create a vacuum and remove truth, then God says they'll believe the lie. What does that mean? That means this. The problem with a nation that rejects God is not that they, that's not the problem that they don't believe in God anymore. It means that they'll believe anything. That becomes the problem. And then what happens is that a delusion could come and then the people are no longer, you can't even navigate them towards truth. It's not too late. But men and women who fear the Lord, we need to stand up for what we believe in. And listen, just so you know, this is going to go out online, right? I mean, we know that people have seen gatherings that we have here and they end up in the newspaper. But the truth is, is that You know, we're going to, I believe that I'm going to stand before the Lord someday and he's going to ask me, did you stand up for the voices? Did you give a voice to those in the womb who had no voice? It's it's so important. I told you, I had a strong imagination. I won't say it was anything more than that, but I had a strong imagination during the day where I just pictured aborted children before the throne of God and that the Lord asked them the question, but did my church stand up for you? And I think that that's an important question. Did my people stand up for you? So, that's it. That's why we're in the newspaper. And 
I'll get that letter to the editor. I wrote it, I, I bet I wrote it 40 times this week in bed. Couldn't sleep, night after night. Some of the others went here that I'm looking at you and, and I know you felt the same way. We had a local company come, the executive came and he just kept reminding us how influential they are and how powerful they are. And so I, I want you to know that the, every strategy and resource is going to be invested in this. After two years of a failed public school system, one of the local schools lost 70 employees. Now they're offering signing bonuses and they are um, increased their yearly salary by $20,000. They should have done that a long time ago, but I'm saying they're getting desperate now. The system is collapsing in the public school system. And, you know, they're also not, you don't have to be certified anymore as a teacher. That's how much they want you to come and teach. But here's the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting you to, to know that I believe that if we not, it's not ours, this is what we learned in biblical citizenship class. The results are not what we determine whether we're gonna do something or not, because results are not guaranteed. It's about duty. What is your duty as a believer? Is it to stand up for the defenseless? Absolutely it is. You pray about it. You ask the Lord. You discern. There is a valley, I think, that is actually looking for some courageous people to speak up for what they believe in. Because now, he, you, you left that meeting the other day. It's 11.17. Yes, I know what time it is. <laughs> you left that meeting, and you, if you weren't aligned with the toolkit, you were made to feel like you were one of three people. First off, you're a hater because you hate this group of people. Secondly, you were made to feel if you weren't a hater, you had, you had phobias and you're fear-driven. And the third thing is this. If you don't agree, you don't care if these kids kill themselves. That was really, really, you left there just like, this is an amazing strategy that's come up. So a bunch of churches, faith community, wrote a letter this week fully supporting the LGBTQ um, toolkit presented in the Roaring Fork Valley. So they're very verbal. They mentioned that 50% of those children in the community um, think about committing suicide. So think about that. If 50% of that community thinks about committing suicide, then why get every child to think that way about themselves? Let's just pray that God, I, this is why I wrestled over the letter. I want to represent the love of God. Never step into anger. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Be open as a community. Like if you ever see someone from the community, the LGBTQIA plus community, 
I think that you ought to go out of your way just to be nice, to let them know about the love of God for them. Amen. It might not be received, but just let them know this is, this is not personal. Here's the battle. It's a battle of two groups who are saying, what's the most loving thing you can do for this community? And the one community is saying, promote it. And the other community is saying, this isn't a student-led meeting. The adults need to step up and guide people. They need to guide the children. And if we can guide the children, the safer the world will be, the safer our valley will be, the safer the nation will be. Yes. Right? So did you get what I said? All right. So God bless you all. Love you for being still here. <laughs> Seriously. One of the people, they're not in the school anymore, but they said to me, when I was getting the health director's emails with his transgender agenda from the county, because it was hard for me to answer people who said, like, Jim, it's just masks. Just make them put masks on. I kept saying it's not about masks. It's about control. Right. It's about overreaching into the role of the church and our community. Um, and he says, I get it. If you have to defend a staircase, one guy stands on the first stair, another guy stands in the middle of the stairs, and another guy stands at the top of the stairs, and one guy says, I'll defend the first. If I go down, then the next guy halfway up can go. I really believe that there's a movement going on right now that whether you decided to fight the battle right now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, where this stuff is going, eventually it's going to come to you. <laughs> and I don't want to be the last guy at the top of the stairs where every, I want to be engaged at the beginning. Okay, let's all stand up. Father, I just want to pray, Lord God, that we would stand for such a time as this. Let us be found faithful, Father. Let us be found faithful. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers. I ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I said this at the county commissioner's meeting um, when we weren't allowed to speak and tell our side of the story, but they vacated the room, and you all had so many people. The whole room was entirely filled. And I, I did something to check my own heart because I, I'm always reminding myself when, when it's all said and done, it's about giving people an opportunity to meet Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. So shared the gospel in the room, and I knew that there were people that weren't believers there, but they were just patriotic people and didn't want to happen what was happening. So I preached the gospel in that room, and I asked if there's anyone who wants to know Jesus as their Savior. But the thing is this, is that what I felt led to say is, you know, you, some people come to Jesus because they're, they're at the end of themselves, and that's awesome because that's often where you find the Lord. But I actually believe in a day right now 
Whereas men and women are just saying, do I want to be enlisted in God's purpose and plan and destiny? It's not about coming to Christ just for, oh, can you come and fix me up? But it's just coming and saying, God, there's an eternal plan. There's an eternal love that you have for all. And I want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth today. So whether you come to the Lord today just aware of guilt or shame or sin or, or whether you're just saying, man, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm walking in God's calling and destiny for my life. Both situations, you just come to Jesus Christ and you just say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing my own way. I'm sorry I've sinned against you. I come to you as a sinner. I did this myself. I'm not pointing at you. And just saying, Jesus, you died for my sins on the cross, and I want you to come and wash me clean. Come and live in my heart. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to know your plan for my life, and I want eternal life. So if you're here and you've never met Jesus and you want to give your heart to the Lord today, it's not going to change you just by stepping into this room. You have to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to do two things if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. First off, if you're saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in a closing prayer to give my heart to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and then we'll all repeat a prayer together as we're standing in our seats. But then I'm going to ask you personally to step out of your seat and come forward here and stand at the altar with me. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Don't be afraid of anything like that. But the Lord says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. If you've never met Jesus, would you lift up your hand today saying, Pastor Jim, I'm ready to give my heart to the Lord. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church or you've been baptized or whether you were raised a Christian. I'm asking, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And if not, would you lift up your hand just saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Anyone here? God, you are so good. I speak the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ over every household that's here today. God bless your going out and your coming in. God bless the roof over your head, the things in your care, the stewardships of your life. God bless you, your descendants. Bless your singleness. Bless your marriages. I speak the joy of the Lord over you and the peace of God. I thank you, Lord God. Let everyone be strong and bold and courageous. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming. We're going to have elders here in the front. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. Let them pray for you. God answers prayer. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.